Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, psychologist Renee Lertzman will help you understand how to work through the feelings you might be feeling thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. But first, you'll learn why one dog year doesn't equal seven human years. Let's satisfy some curiosity. One dog year does not really equal seven human years. The truth is that a dog's age is a lot more complicated than that. So where did this idea come from? Well, let's dive into the history. It's tricky to pinpoint the exact source of this rule, but different points in history calculate the human-dog age ratio differently. A 13th century inscription at Westminster Abbey said that one dog year equaled nine human years, and then an 18th century naturalist said it was nine or ten human years. So eventually, someone probably reckoned that the average human lived for 70 years and the average dog lived for 10, so the 7 to 1 rule was born. But think about it. Dogs reproduce when they're around one year old, and some live 20 years or longer. If one human year were equivalent to seven dog years, then humans would have babies at age 7 and live up to 150 years old. So here's a better way to compare our ages. Back in 1953, French researcher A. Lebeau divided the lifespans of dogs and humans into milestones that included puberty, adulthood, and death. He figured out that dogs don't age in parallel with humans. Instead, they age more quickly at first, then more slowly. He calculated that a one-year-old dog is equivalent to a 15-year-old human, a two-year-old dog is equivalent to a 24-year-old human, and then every dog year after that is equivalent to four or five human years. Of course, this varies by breed and weight, but it's more accurate than the old seven-year myth. If you want to figure out your dog's age in human years, there's an online calculator in the show notes that you can use. It takes into account size, which makes it a bit more accurate than other methods. But I recommend just living in the moment. I mean, that's what dogs do. The world is a lot different than it was just a couple months ago. And for plenty of people like you and me, it's not just hard to wrap our heads around what's happening. We're also feeling a lot of unfamiliar emotions. Our guest today has some ideas for understanding our reactions to the coronavirus pandemic, along with some tips for working through them. Dr. Renee Lertzman is a psychologist and engagement strategist with a focus on environment and climate. Her TED Talk about how to turn climate anxiety into action has been viewed more than 900,000 times. And there are some striking similarities between how we respond to climate change and how we're responding to today's uncertain times. Here's what's going on. Well, as human beings, we're we're really designed to have control, to feel that we have agency. I think that the piece around agency really takes us to the heart of this, which is that when we're at our best and our happiest and and most vital is when we have this this sense of I am an agent in my life and in the world. So I matter. I can contribute and I know how I can contribute. I can control my environment, my circumstances. I can basically be safe, right? It's about feeling safe and secure, right? And so we will do basically what we need to do to have that experience. The converse is the most intolerable experience for a human is to feel that we do not have agency, that we are powerless, that we 
basically don't have potency, right? That is absolutely intolerable. And so we will do whatever we can to kind of create a sense of influence and control. And you can see that happening where people sort of will focus on, well, this gives me a sense of what I can influence and what I do have certainty about, which is, you know, I'm planting, you know, I'm growing a garden or I'm making an incredible meal or I, you know, I'm controlling what I put in my body. Um, All of these things are ways that we can have a sense of mastery and certainty in our world. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's, it's not about whether this is positive or negative. It's just what we do. And so with uncertainty, it can bring up profound existential dread. It's really scary. And so the reality is that we are living with very high levels of uncertainty right? Like that's certain. (laughs) That's the one thing that's certain is that uncertainty is there. The question is, how do we navigate uncertainty? How do we be with it? How can we stay functional and effective and creative and expansive in the context of incredible uncertainty. That's the question, really. And to me, that really leads to what is resilience and what promotes resilience, because resilience is really about how are we agile and flexible and supple amidst change, right? Amidst conditions that are absolutely out of our control, right? Like there's so much that is out of our control. The question is, how do we focus on what we can control and relate with the uncertainty in a different way? And so then we start to really look at, you know, a lot of this has to do with what is our feelings about uncertainty? What's our attitude about it, right? And so for this, I tend to look towards the wisdom of mindfulness practice, of practices in neurobiology that really focus on how do we stay grounded? How do we actually keep ourselves grounded and in our bodies? And the scientific term is regulation. Like how do we keep our nervous system regulated? And, you know, what are those practices that can really keep us in that zone and that what I referred to in my TED Talk is the window of tolerance. The window of tolerance basically refers to a mental state where you feel like you can deal with what's happening in your life. It's basically your threshold for stress. When we experience too much stress, we tend to go to the edges of our window, either becoming anxious or angry or totally zoning out and shutting down. So it's all about learning the best ways to stay in that window. What bounces us out of this this window of tolerance is precisely stress and anxiety that has to do with largely when we feel things are out of our control, that there's uncertainty. So then the question is, what brings us into that within that window? And there are things that we already know can really support us, you know, that include what I just said earlier what really helps us stay regulated in the context of uncertainty is being able to name, it sounds very simple, but name and talk about how we're feeling. So by my just saying, you know, I'm feeling right now just incredibly scared. I feel really vulnerable. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, tomorrow I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my children. There's something about 
my saying that and naming that and having an, an other to then witness that and receive that and not try to change it or make me feel or be any different, that actually changes my neurochemistry. It actually allows me to relate with and kind of deal with those feelings in a much more productive way than if I wasn't able to say that at all and I'm bottling it all up and I'm kind of fighting with myself all the time and I'm like, oh, I should be feeling different. I should be more positive and what's wrong with me? Like that all takes us out of ourselves, right? So a lot of this comes back to how do we just befriend ourselves? How do we bring an attitude towards our own experience of you know, compassion and kindness and what I call attunement, that's, you know, really the basic building block. But then how do we do that with each other is the, is the next part of that. Again, Dr. Renee Lertzman is a psychologist and engagement strategist with a focus on environment and climate. And we'll put links to learn more from Renee in today's show notes. Let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that one human year doesn't equal seven dog years. Lending further evidence to my rule of thumb that every rule that involves three or seven is baloney. I've told you this rule, right, Cody? Yeah, this is like a special numerology rule you have. Yeah, it's like, you know, people say celebrities always die in threes and and your body replaces itself every seven years. All of those are myths. <laughs> people just love those numbers. I don't know why. They're good numbers. My lucky number is four, so I can't really relate. But... Oh, that's an interesting lucky number. Yeah, four letters in my name, four kids that my parents had. It was also Brett Favre's number for the Packers. I was a big Packers fan growing up. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to reveal something that I learned. Most people choose 7 when they're asked to choose a number between 1 and 10. Yeah, I did know that if somebody asks you to guess what number they're thinking of, you always guess 7. Yep. And we also learned that humans love certainty like a lot. And that's part of the reason why even just being able to tell someone the name of the emotion you're feeling can help you deal with it better because then you know what it is. Yeah, really, in our conversation with Renee, the biggest takeaway I found was just emotional intelligence, being able to name and identify the feelings we're feeling and talk about them goes a really long way. And the certainty thing it totally applies outside just the world of what you're experiencing right now and trauma. I was thinking about this because I've recently been in the market to buy a house and, you know, we set a price and I'm like, this is the price I'm willing to pay for it. But the sellers wouldn't go down a little bit. And we had this decision. We're like, you know, if we go up a couple thousand dollars, then then we'll have the house and it'll all be done and we'll be ready to go. And I had to stop myself and be like, no, we set this particular price. We don't want to pay an extra couple thousand dollars, but it almost felt like it was worth it just to be done with the home buying process. You know, like just to know that you've got the place, you know, you're going to be living. You don't have to continue the home search. And yeah, a couple thousand dollars is a lot. But when you start talking about big numbers, like if you're buying a car or a house for hundreds of thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes those small amounts don't seem like a lot. But you could end up spending hundreds or thousands more dollars just to have that certainty. So um, I took that lesson away from me and then I negotiated really hardcore and I ended up getting it for that couple thousand dollars less. Awesome. Yeah. Man, it is it is wild that you are having a kid and buying a house and getting a car, mm -hmm. like, all while the world is doing what it's doing. Yeah. I, I don't envy you, but I admire you. <laughs> I would not admire me. There's no <laughs> reason to admire me. 
I just I just saved all of my life milestones after getting married for, you know, the middle of a pandemic quarantine. Perfect. It's, you know, what the heck? Today's first story was written by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. With additional editing today by Ashley Hamer. You just do it all, don't you? Ha <laughs> ha. Join us again tomorrow for a special milestone episode of Curiosity Daily to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.